Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day there and welcome to the latest Oliver's Insights podcast. This time around, we're going to have a look at the past financial year, which saw pretty solid investment returns. And we're also going to have a look at whether those returns are sustainable or not. Just as the worries about inflation, a recession and geopolitics drove pretty poor returns in 2021-2022, a relaxation of worries about these things drove a strong rebound in investment returns over the last financial year. While inflation rose to its highest in decades in 2022, it peaked in the US about a year ago and has been trending down ever since, with other countries following suit. This, of course, includes Australia, which lagged on the way up in terms of inflation and is doing the same thing on the way down. That partly reflects the fact that our economy reopened after the US, so the inflation upswing got underway in Australia a bit later than in the US. This downswing in inflation that we're seeing globally and getting underway in Australia reflects improved goods supply, lower commodity prices, lower transport costs, and also easing demand. While central banks still worry about sticky services inflation in the face of stronger wages growth, signs of cooling economic growth and slowing job openings have started to ease some of the concerns on this front. The slowing in inflation has seen central banks slow the pace of rate hikes and provide provide confidence that they are near the top on rates, although we may still have a bit further to go yet. While the Eurozone entered a mild recession late last year and early this year, global growth generally has held up better than feared, with the recession expectations, say in the US, getting pushed out further and further. This in turn has supported profits. China, of course, reopened its economy in late 2022 and early 2023, allowing its economy to bounce back, although so far it's been a bit weaker than had been expected, particularly in terms of manufacturing. Of course, worst case fears regarding the war in Ukraine have not come to pass, with no escalation to NATO countries and Europe and Germany managing to move on from their reliance on Russian gas. Another key factor in the last 12 months has been that geopolitical tensions with China have got no worse, with periodic talk of a thaw. This has certainly occurred in relation to China-Australian relations, with the rollback by China of some restrictions on Australian exports. And a final influence over the last 12 months has been enthusiasm for artificial intelligence and its potential to produce productivity growth, particularly following the release of ChatGPT in late 2022, which of course provided a boost for tech stocks And that, of course, significantly supported the US share market. So an outworking of all of that has been a rebound in investment returns over the last financial year for most listed assets. After seeing their worst loss in decades in 2021-2022, as bond yields surge, resulting in a big capital losses, bond returns have stabilised over the last 12 months as bond yields stopped rising, with higher yields helping. Now, of course, global bonds still had a slight loss when hedged into Australian dollars, but Australian bonds had a slight gain over the last 12 months. But that's all a big difference to the big losses they saw in the previous financial year. So some stable in bonds, which has helped bond returns and also the 
that's obviously had to flow onto equity markets where returns have been very strong. In fact, global shares returned 18% in local currency terms over the last 12 months, with a fall in the value of the Australian dollar, partly on the back of lower commodity prices, boosting this to 23% in Australian dollar terms. Just remember that you've got if you've got some money overseas and the value of that foreign currency goes up relative to Australian dollars, then the return on that investment also gets a boost. And it's been because the value of the Australian dollar has fallen and the value of foreign currency has gone up. So when you translate that investment back to Australian dollars, you've got more money. Now, of course, over the last 12 months, Japanese and Eurozone shares outperformed. That partly reflects particularly the ca- in the case of Eurozone shares, a big underperformance in the previous financial year on the back of all those worries about the war in Ukraine. US shares also benefited from a rebound in tech stocks, helped, of course, by artificial intelligence, and China's shares fell. So they've been a relative underperformer. Australian shares returned 15% over the last 12 months, benefiting from the positive global lead, but were relative underperformers over the last six months. As the Reserve Bank turned relatively more hawkish earlier this calendar year, that had been expected, driving worries about an Australian recession and with concerns about the strength of China's recovery weighing on commodity prices and resources stocks. Now, I should point out that of that 15%, about 9.7 percentage points of it, or almost two-thirds of it, was driven by capital growth. But a chunky 5% or more was actually driven by dividends. So you should never underrate the importance of dividends in the Australian share market is a big chunk of the returns we get. Whereas in the case of global shares, the dividend enhancement to returns was only about two percentage points. Either way, those returns were pretty solid. And overall, markets have done probably better than I was expecting 12 months ago. I think the big surprise in all of that has been the relative underperformance of Australian shares compared to global shares. But still in aggregate terms, pretty good performance. Australian real estate investment trusts benefited from better valuations and a stabilisation in bond yields, but global real estate investment trusts remained under pressure over the last 12 months. Now, of course, one of the big disappointments was unlisted commercial property, where returns look to have been negative, and I should say those returns are still coming in, as the lagged negative impact of higher bond yields, which of course reduces their valuations and reduce space demand for office and retail property, particularly weighed on capital value. Now, if you take unlisted infrastructure, for example, it still did reasonably well. Not as good as in the previous financial year, but it still did reasonably well. But unlisted commercial property struggled. And a big driver there, as I just mentioned, was the hit to office and retail property as a result of reduced space demand. Of course, in the office property area, we know a big factor there is the work from home phenomenon. If we've gone from a situation where people came to the office, say, four and a half days a week, they now come in, say, two days a week, maybe three days a week. On average, something like that, that's a massive reduction in space demand, which obviously means higher vacancy rates as leases come to the end of their term. And of course, that puts downward pressure on rents on capital and capital values. So a bit of bad news there for commercial property. Combined, this all drove an estimated 9% return in balanced growth superannuation re- fund returns. So a pretty good outcome there overall. So yes, a bit of problems there in terms of unlisted assets, particularly commercial property, but the rebound, particularly in share markets, drove pretty solid returns from balanced growth funds. Now, obviously, the super fund you're in may be slightly above that or slightly below that. There's always a range around it, but I'm just talking here about the average. Now, of course, that 9% or so return from an average balanced growth super fund is a big turnaround from the 3.5% or so loss from such funds that was seen in the previous financial year. The last few years have seen a bit of a roller coaster. In fact, in the financial year 2019-2020, as the pandemic hit, returns were pretty poor. Then we saw pretty strong returns in 2020-2021 as markets rebounded to only see pretty soft returns in 21 22 
2022 as higher inflation and bond yields weighed on share markets. And now, of course, we've seen a, re- a rebound in the last financial year. Now, of course, given the volatility that we've seen lately and we often see in investment markets, it's best to focus on the longer term average returns from superannuation funds. And over the last decade, they've averaged around 7%, which is about 4.5% after allowing for inflation, which is not a bad outcome. In fact, I'd have to say it's a pretty good outcome given that those returns are after fees and after taxes. So I guess what are the lessons from the last financial year? I think one of the big lessons of the financial year in 21-2022 was that inflation was not dead, just resting and can raise its head to cause mayhem when the circumstances are right, which of course is what we saw that financial year. Of course, the the past financial year was a lot better, as I've just pointed out, but there were two big lessons, I reckon, from the last financial year. The first was that just as easy monetary policy or easy money, if you want to put it simply, was a major contributor to inflation in 2021-2022. The move to tight money or monetary tightening, higher interest rates, looks to be working to bring inflation back under control again, albeit there is a way to go yet. The second big lesson of the last financial year was that it provided yet another reminder of just how hard it is to time investment markets. Just when everyone was most gloomy about inflation and interest rates a year ago, share markets rebounded. Now, of course, the bad news is that in the short term, the near term, I think there is a risk of a correction in share markets. Shares had strong gains in June and are now overbought technically. Leading indicators continue to point to a high risk of recession in the US and the risk of recession in Australia is now around 50%. China's recovery is looking less robust than expected and policy stimulus there so far has been pretty modest. On top of all of this, central banks are probably close to the top, but they remain hawkish and with a high risk of going too far. And risks also remain in relation to Ukraine, particularly with Putin looking to re-establish his authority after the Wagner mutiny in Russia. And while the month of July is often good for shares, particularly in Australian shares after June tax loss selling is reversed, the period out to September, October is often pretty rough. So for all those reasons, we could have a bit of a, a bit of volatility in the short term in the next few months. Top of all of this, unlisted property returns are also likely to be negative over the next year as weak economic activity and most importantly, the adjustment to working from home results in rising office vacancy rates and more downwards pressure on property values. The good news though is that inflation rates are already falling without recession and our US pipeline inflation indicator points to a further fall in inflation ahead. This should in turn enable central banks to start easing monetary policy through next year, in other words, through 2024, in order to at least avoid a deep recession. In Australia, we expect the RBA's cash rate to peak around 4.6% in the next few months with four rate cuts through 2024. Moreover, global economic conditions have proven more resilient than investors had feared. The rebound in US shares from their lows last year has broadened out recently to include more cyclical stocks, which is a positive sign. Prior to June, it was particularly narrow, narrowly focused, particularly on tech stocks, whereas the fact that it's broadened out is a good sign. And investor positioning in shares is still relatively cautious, which is arguably positive from a contrarian's perspective. It's hard to argue that we're seeing anything like euphoria on the part of investors, which would, of course would be a bad sign if we were, but we're not seeing that. So while shares are vulnerable to a near-term correction, returns over the next 12 months should be reasonable, albeit slower than they have been over the last 12 months. At the same time, bond returns should be positive as bond yields settle down with falling inflation. Overall, balanced growth super returns are likely to be reasonable, but more like 6 to 7% than the 9% or so seen over the last financial year. Of course, short-term forecasting and market timing is fraught with difficulty, and it's best to stick 
to sound long-term investment principles. Several things I think are always worth keeping in mind. First is that periodic and often sharp setbacks in shares are quite normal. Of course, we saw that in 2022. Secondly, selling shares or switching to more conservative superannuation strategy after falls just turns a paper loss into a real loss. So it's not the best strategy if you want to grow your long-term wealth. Thirdly, when shares and other investments fall in value, they are cheaper and offer higher long-term return prospects. Fourthly, Australian shares still offer an attractive dividend yield versus bank deposits. Fifthly, shares and other assets invariably bottom out when investors are most bearish. And I guess that's what we saw um, just about a year ago with Australian shares bottoming in somewhere around July of 2022 and global shares bottoming around October, just when everyone was most worried about inflation and most bearish. And finally, during periods of uncertainty when negative news reaches fever pitch, it makes sense to turn down the noise around investment markets in order to stick to an appropriate long-term investment strategy that is appropriate for your circumstances. So I might leave it there. I hope that's been of value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favourite streaming platform.